You're here for a purpose. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority? So how much is left for the devil? <laughs> Man, that's a good word right there already, you know? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. Everybody say, go. And make disciples of all nations. Everybody say, make. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, baptize. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Everybody say, teach. I had you guys repeat all the actionable words. Because if you're going to fulfill the Great Commission, you're going to have to take action. Look at the person next to you and say, take action. Yeah. We got we to gotta do something about what we have received. Well, that, that's, we're already going this morning, huh? How many of you guys know that we have to do something about what we have received? Amen? Amen. And then here's the promise, and this is so good. It says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Isn't it great to know that anytime you step out to do what Jesus has spoken to you to do, that you don't do it alone, that Jesus is with you. No matter where you go in the world, anytime you step out to obey Jesus, you never do it by yourself. Isn't that awesome that God is with you? Everybody say, God is with me. Amen. So today, I'm going to, the title of the message today is The Growing in the Going. The Growing in the Going. So let's pray. Lord, we just ask you to help us today to to grow, to expand, to enlarge everything that you want to do within us. We go ahead and say yes and amen right now, don't we, church? We just surrender. We say, yes, God, whatever you want to do in us today, Lord, we receive it to, to its full. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Amen and amen. But considering that the title of the message today is The Growing and the Going, I thought, man, you know, I know some things happened in Asif. We talked about it the entire time we were there. Like, what's happening in your heart? What's God speaking to you? And I just thought, man, it would be so awesome to hear a testimony from him. So I'm going to let him take it away and share whatever he wants. I'll take the next 30 minutes. <laughs> no. Uh, no, look, I'm going to try to be as fast as con- and concise as I possibly can. What happened in Japan was nothing short of miraculous. Like, Lyle, you know, you go into Japan trying to change Japan, but turns out Japan changed you, you know? Um, the reality is that I, you know, I'm going to be the most candid and most honest I can with you. Is that all right? I just come back from a trip from New York where it was the first trip where it did not feel like a vacation, felt more like work. So we were like, you know, walking all over New York, but we got super, super exhausted. The very next, I land on a Sunday and then a Sunday afternoon, missed my flight, this whole crazy thing happened. Anyway, long story short, the next morning, 7 a.m., we're in the airport again to fly two weeks out to uh, Japan. So, you know, after being close with someone for that long, you just, I mean, especially your wife, especially I've been married for about four or five months now. So I'm missing her crazy. I'll be honest with you, folks. I cried the whole way to Japan. I'm not going to lie. Listen, you can it's, I have a bag on my, like, on my side. You could call it like I'm in tone with my, with my emotions. Whatever. I don't care what you say. Point is, I was really, like, 
for real emotionally exhausted, emotionally drained. And then not only that, but I was physically exhausted. So every morning, uh, it was A, hard to go to sleep, but every morning was a genuine like, God, give me strength today. And I say that jokingly, and but also not. Because <laughs> genuinely, I wake up every morning, I'm like, God, give me strength to pour out everything I have in me. And I kept, call, I called my wife and I told him, like, man, I'm physically exhausted. I'm emotionally exhausted, but my spirit is willing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what the crazy thing is? God rewarded that yeah. a lot. Yeah. I, by, I've been on many, many mission trips, but for me, this has been the most life-changing because I was at my my like very very least you know you think about the passage um, he's made strong in my weakness you know he's made strong strong in weakness and so the idea is that every morning I had to come out in the morning and be like Jesus give me strength to serve give me strength to love and so every I don't know how like do you want me to go cultural like you want me to tell them like what happened in Japan as far as like cultural speaking long story short Japan is a very unique, unique culture because you have uh, adults working from around the time of like 7 in the morning to about 7 p.m. at night. Full 12-hour days, sometimes 15-hour days, something like that. Because I'm not sure if you noticed, but Japan is actually like a manufacturing, uh, like a, a manufacturing country. Like they produce a lot of the goods that we see everywhere here in the States. Um, so, so we have people who are working a lot. So what that does actually puts a huge strain on the young people. Because you aren't raised by your parents, you're, you're raised by the person who you go to school with. And as, as I'm, I'm sure we know, but stereotype, but it's true, within the Asian culture, it's a very, very high level of expectation for performance and academics. So whenever there's there, the performance doesn't reach the expectation the parents have, coupled with the non-relationship that actually young people have with their parents, it's a very unfortunate concoction of, of uh, circumstances that leads to actually, I think it's one in three or one in four of every Japanese youth uh, ends up suiciding. It's actually quite drastic to the point where the econ like economy, they're actually trying to figure out how the youth, the next generation, can actually sustain the amount of production that the Japanese are actually producing right now. So it's actually quite drastic. We actually heard uh, uh, someone tell us that there's actually destined locations where young people actually go to kill themselves. I know like it's not something you want to hear, you know, 9.53 in the morning here in your comfortable chair. But the reality is like it began to move me at a very, like I started hearing this left and right. Right. And I'm like, no one, and I heard young people also tell me like no one talks about it in the church. It's like this like elephant in the room. No one is saying anything. And here I am seeing these young people that are genuinely hurting. Within the church, I, I mean, no, this might be you, and no offense at all, right? But like, you know, this, I think she was like 18 years old, saw, saw her dad uh, come in after however many hours of, of work and shook their hand. I'm like, you know, my warm Latin body is like, give her a hug, please. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I, I, I saw so much disconnection between like relationships, father and mother, son, daughter. And, and I just saw a lot of pain. Like a lot, a lot of pain. So as we began to do our church tour, or, you know, we were ministering to these people, and all of a sudden I'm like, man, like, these people need hugs, embrace. And I'm, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to tell you, but we went from a 50-person team down to a nine-person team to do a two-day conference and a 22-church tour leading up to the conference. So everyone had multiple hats, you know? 
And um, I was in charge of taking the photos. And, and behind the lens, you can I'm capturing these young people and these Japanese people who are encountering God. And listen, Japan is less than 1% are Christian. Oh, I, I can go into like, I'm not going to go into a lot, but we can talk if you guys want afterward. But the reality is this, the last day of the conference, after I've seen the brokenness, and I've seen God move, and we saw so many deliverances, so many people get saved, a hundred and... 104 people saved and in a nation yes in a nation where it's less than one percent listen and the crazy crazy thing if you you know accepting jesus in your heart as your personal learners i mean we're gonna we already talked about that right but you know following jesus in japan isn't just like okay i'm gonna go to church now it's actually it's 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 a mode it's like it's saying yes to ostracization ostracization we're gonna go with that genuinely because because Again, I'm not going to go into it, but Japanese people are considered Shintoist. Shintos are considered Japanese people. It's like one in the same. Talk about nationalism. Anyway, so like it's, it's one in the same. So to actually say I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, is to overtly say I'm leaving Japanese culture to some extent, and I'm going to follow Jesus. So this is pretty radical, trans- like radical salvations. We saw 30-some healings, right? 50-some healings. Jeez. My faith needs to grow. Uh, so that, like, people were getting rocked, saved, delivered, transformed, and I was just an absolute mess, right? But it wasn't until the second to last night, where I'm, you know, taking photos of this conference, and you know, I'm again exhausted, I'm emotionally, physically, again, my spirit is so excited. So I'm taking photos, and I'm, you know, we're doing a fire tunnel, and of course, if you are familiar with fire tunnels, they get crazy, right? Uh, because basically people are like a, a ton of people are praying for you putting their hand on you and just laying hands saying Jesus touch this person and then after about you know the 40th person you're probably going to get touched in a pretty radical way I mean after that many prayers it's going to happen because prayer works right church so to that that second night I'm taking photos and um, and I'm seeing people's lives get changed I'm watching the young kids go through uh, this fire tunnel and I'm taking photos and I'm just like God, I, I kind of like to be part of, like, I want to pray for these people, but I also want to take photos. It's all right, I'm going to hide behind the photos right now because it's our last day. We fly out tomorrow morning. I get to see my wife. I get to see her embrace. It's going to be wonderful. I'm just going to chill tonight, you know? And then I'm beginning. I, I, it's hilarious. I think the Lord works. But I'm taking photos. And all of a sudden, it almost feels like this, like, rush of, like, this gentle wind that kind of touches your soul. I'm not sure how, like, you know, typically your soul is kind of a, kind of hidden in there, but I don't know how the Lord has, uh, he's a romancer, right? So whenever he blows, it actually touches you in a way that you just can't be touched elsewhere, you know? Like it just, it just doesn't hit you like that. And so I'm taking photos and it hits me and I'm like, you know, one of those times where you just kind of tear runs down, you're like, oh, okay, I didn't, wasn't expecting that guy to come out, you know? And, uh, and then all of a sudden I, I'm feeling like, man, I feel like, you know, the Lord's moving. And then Pastor Lyle's like, hey, um, come in here. Uh, you need to start praying for people. And I'm like, yes, sir. You know, just kidding. But anyway, I put my, I put my camera down and I begin to approach where I'm seeing these young people and I'm like laser focused for whatever reason of seeing these young people pass through because again, I know the brokenness and I'm seeing like these kids, like prophetically, I'm starting to see like, man, what they need, what they desire. I'm like, God touch them. It's so crazy because when you see such drastic need and in some cases and in some languages, darkness, it's, it becomes so appetizing for a believer to be like, man, I know what God can do in the midst of this darkness. I know what God can do in the midst of this starvation. 
I know what he can do. So you become genuine, like the faith begins to build. I mean, if you begin, if you see, you know, the work of the ministry in those eyes. And so as I began to see it get closer, you know when you go into like ugly cry? Okay, now multiply that by four and that's where I was. I'm, I'm getting closer to this, to this uh, prayer line and I'm beginning to go like, <laughs> you know where you're taking like deep breaths to try to catch yourself? It's not like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. It's like, <laughs> like it, I mean, it looks ugly. This doesn't sound pretty. It doesn't look pretty. Nothing like that. And I'm actually beginning to weep because the people that are walking through this, the brokenness that I begin to feel, and I, I couldn't exactly describe it but it was like a, it was like a, almost like a mourning. Because these people, these kids, I'm like, they need a fresh touch of Jesus. And I'm like, I know that God can offer, but it was like this brokenness for the people. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a sentimental, emotional bit. It was, it was genuine like, God, I know you can do something for these kids. I know, I'm sorry, I know that you can move in a powerful way in their lives. And as each of them began to pray, you know, the funny thing is to my left and to my right, and everyone's like, whoa, get him, God. Like, it's super excited, laughing. I'm just over like, God, you know what you want to do in this person's life. So I'm like, it, it's a completely drastic. Like, it feels, there's like, the dichotomy is hilarious there. But I'm beginning to see these people pass through and the Lord's beginning to show me each of their lives. And I'm like, God, in that specific area in their lives, I mean, I'm not going to repeat like what I've seen, but I'm just like, I see brokenness here. I'm like, God, mend that for them. Mend that for them in this place. Mend that for them in this place. Mend that for them. And as they begin to cry, as they begin to pass through, my tears begin to get like sobby, you know? Finally, the, the fire tunnel is over and I'm like sitting down and I weep like crazy and someone comes up to me he's like hey can you please pray for me and if I hadn't been broken like that in that moment I would have prayed a different prayer but you know what I ended up praying she because she's one of the leaders in that environment and I, I just prayed I'm like God keep her broken keep her like a puddle don't allow her to move unless she's broken for the people and it became it, it was like a it, God like has a way of like knocking down two people at the same time. So as I'm praying for this woman, she's, you know, obviously being slain by the Holy Spirit. But not, not only that, but I'm beginning to get like, the Lord's beginning to confirm to me things that I have in my chest. And he's just like, this is your posture forever to be broken for the people. The same prayer you're praying for her is the same one I'm praying for you. Allow yourself to be molded, to be broken to the point where nothing comes out of you besides desire and genuine passion to serve God's passion, which is the people. It, it broke me to such an extent, folks, I can't, I can't even begin to tell you. Like, again, I'm still kind of like coming back to like reality, it seems. But may I never return, to be honest. It's for the people. It's for the people. And so, uh, again, you go in trying to change people, but... It, the special, the unique thing about this is at the end of my physical exhaustion, at the end of my emotional exhaustion, my spirit was ready and it gave everything. Like it actually, I, I wanted to say, I was like every morning, every day, I was like, God, I'm going to, it was a struggle to even go to, to pray, to go and be part of this thing. But the reality is the amount of yield, the amount of fruit that I got from my life in serving, unreal, unreal. So if, if I can encourage you with anything besides that testimony is like remain broken. Yeah. 
And if you're not broken yet, get broken. Because the Lord has a way of molding that together and, and making you the most powerful tool for world transformation and reconciliation of all people. Is that all right, church? Let's go ahead and stand. I'm just kidding. I'm messing around with you guys. But I almost want to break into a worship session. But Pastor Lyle's got an incredible word. And yeah, I set you up there. Well, I, I think that, you know, what Asaph is sharing, it just fits so perfectly into the title for today, which is why I wanted him to share. It's like in our going, uh, our growth happens, you know, sometimes it would seem as though we can only grow so much by, by sitting and learning. But I find that there's a ton of growth as we go and start to give away things that we've absorbed, things that we've received. Because when we give away what we've received, we create space to receive more. Does that make sense? Like a lot of times we get revelation, we get instruction, we get information, we get inspiration, we get motivation. And then like until you start giving some of that away, it's really difficult to create space to get more. And so you just come to a place you just can't hold more. You're like, okay, I feel brain dead. Like I've just got so much information. And so what I want to encourage us to do this whole month, we've been talking about growth. And so like I want to finish uh, this series with, with the time I have uh, to encourage you guys to go. It's not just because we got back from a mission trip. Like this is actually part of our culture. <laughs> you know what I mean? And here's the good news. Like even the more so than it's a part of what we want legacy to become, it is most assuredly a part of what Jesus wants us to become. Because this is the Great Commission. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like that the Christian life, uh, if we were just going to pursue becoming authentic Christians in the 21st century, we could look at the two greats of Jesus in the Bible, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And if we just purposed in our life to live those things, we'd do pretty good at becoming like Jesus, attempting to live like Jesus. You know, the great commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That means you should practice love of God and love of people, right? Like, that's pretty awesome. If we just focused on that, that's pretty great, right? But then also the great commission, which to summarize the great commission, it's a passion to make disciples. And, and, and could, I be, could I be honest? Could I just like slide an invitation across your desk this morning and ask you a real question? Like, do you have a passion to make disciples? You know, that, I mean, just let it sort of, I don't know, like, what's the right word? Like, indict us, <laughs> you know, in a, in a good way, in a, in a Jesus-y loving way. But you guys get what I'm saying? Like, there's, it's important that we're confronted with some of the realities uh, of what Jesus Christ has spoken to us to do. Because here's, here's the interesting thing. And thanks for hanging with me, bro. Are you cool just to hang with me? It just feels right. Doesn't it feel right? It just feels right. Thank you, bro. I'm going to get you a free cup of legacy coffee after this. Just, just really want to really honor you, bro. You know? Um, 
But here's what, here's what I find here's what I find very interesting about what Jesus says, right? Like he's 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 gathering. There's like 500 people there. You know, he's preparing to ascend to the Father. Essentially, this is his last, uh, you know, big statement. And uh, and we have to understand something that the Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion, right? Like it, it's 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 not the Great Option. Uh, that's not what it says. That's not the title, right? That's the heading there, right? It's the Great Commission. And if you read it closely, you understand that this is not just a commissioning. It's not just tangible. It's actually a commandment. You know what I'm saying? It's not like go, in parentheses, when you feel like it. You, you notice that, right? Like it's not go, parentheses, like if you have time. Because that's a, that's a great excuse, right, for not performing the Great Commission. Well, I just don't really have time. You know what I mean? But you have time for Netflix. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, well, that's actually not true. And we should allow ourselves to be honest. <laughs> Is that too much, too fast? It's like just too soon there, you know? But, like, we don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads us. You know, the Bible prophesies to us about a lifestyle that's possible, that's been made possible by the cross, that every single one of us have access to, not just because it's a way of life, but it's because it's a connection to God. And when you're in connection with God, what can you not do? You know what I'm saying? With man, things are impossible, but with God... Right? You guys read that before? All things, right? All things are possible, right? And so whenever Jesus says to these disciples that he's made, either, you know, the 12 or really the 11 at this point and beyond, he says, all authority in heaven and on the earth has been given to me. So it's important that we recognize that he gives us a divine qualification for the commissioning that he's giving next. Like, we have to understand that right here, first and foremost, Jesus is saying, I am qualified to commission you. I'm not just giving you a suggestion. I'm not just encouraging you. I'm not just exhorting you in the Lord, you know. I'm not trying to just give you a polished three-point message, you know, and a good keynote. Like, I'm going to give you a commissioning right now, and I'm telling you that I have all authority because I want you to understand who it is that is commissioning you. It's not just some rando. You know what I'm saying? It's not just the dude on Facebook Live. Like, it's, it's Jesus, the Son of God, who says, I have all authority, both in the heavenly realm and in this one. I am a resurrected king. Satan has no authority anymore. I have the authority. And so now I commission you, and I say, go. So... You, 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 you see, we have to be aware of who it is that is commissioning us. We also have to become aware of who we are disobeying if we refuse to take action on the commissioning. No, it's, it's, it's no big deal. Well, well, the Son of God... You know, commissions us as his last sermon before he ascends to the Father. Now, I don't know about you guys, but the last thing that my parents 
said to me before they walked out the door for date night was typically the most important. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, they're walking out the garage, and they're like, hey, don't forget to do your laundry. See you later, right? It's like they always give you the last, uh, the last instruction uh, is the most important instruction, right? And so Jesus is kind of doing the same thing here. He's like, look, you guys have been walking with me for three years. We've had some ups and downs, one of which I was crucified. But I'm resurrected now, right? We've been through a lot together. So look, you guys have seen a lot. I mean, you guys have seen the dead raised. You guys have seen blind eyes open up. You guys have seen the deaf hear. You guys have seen the lame walk. You've seen lepers cleansed. You've seen me preach the good news to the poor. Like you've seen a lot of stuff. But listen, if you forget everything that I taught you in those very layered, difficult to understand parables without prayer, then don't forget this. Here's a plain, straightforward, direct commissioning that I'm giving you after notifying you that you have authority because you're now in me. Isn't that a fascinating commissioning that we have all received? If you're exempt from the Great Commission, if you're a Christian in here and you're exempt from the Great Commission, raise your hand. Nobody raise your hand. Right? They're, they're, it's, it's just, it's, it's not possible. It's a part of our faith. It's a part of who we are as Christians. If we say, I'm a disciple of Jesus, then you have received the Great Commission. There's no subtitles. There's no footnotes. There's no, like, disclaimers. There's no asterisk that says, well, if you find yourself in this position, then don't worry about it. Right? Because if that's what Jesus meant, he would have said that. But, but the Great Commission is so big that it can encapsulate any way of life, in any culture, in any tradition, in any career. You, you guys get what I'm saying? It's like we're, if we're Christians, we're called, right? And that's what Jesus is saying here. I've, I have all authority, and here's, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying, go. I'm saying, I'm saying, go. And, um, you know, this is an interesting thing because I know we've heard this, right? Like our, one of my friends, David Wagner, he said, if you take the go out of the gospel, you just got another spell. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, okay, that's deep. David Wagner for you. And he's like, we're all called to go. We're all called to go and do something. And I believe that, man. I really do believe that. We're all called to go and do something for God, with God, more importantly, according to the Great Commission. But why don't we go? You know, why don't we go? And I think there are many reasons. For one, we live in a culture that works very hard to convince us that our lives are all about us. And that we should only do whatever it is that makes us feel happy and comfortable. Right? We all know, could we all testify to this reality? Is that the culture we live in or not? Right? And then, like, if anybody tries to talk you out of it, it's like... They're being oppressive. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, I get to do what I want to do, and you can't tell me. And you guys know what I'm talking about? And, and I get that. There has been oppression and, and things like that. So I understand the response. But the reality of being a Christian is that you no longer live for yourself, you live for God. And then and, and maybe that I should put that on the invitation. Like, here's the second question. Are you living for yourself or are you living for God? Most importantly, uh, or more importantly, are you living in God? Yes. Right? Because it's not just about fitting God into our schedule. It's about finding our fit in his kingdom. 
You see what I'm saying? It's not just about fitting God into my life. It's actually asking the Lord how I fit into his. You know, I didn't get saved so I could bring God into my life. I got saved so I could be a part of his. You, you, you guys hear me today? Like you didn't get saved because you gave your life to God. You got saved because God gave his life to you. And now you live in God. That's good news, man. That is good news. There's a whole lot of good stuff in God. Would you guys agree? And so he says, you know, he says, go. But so oftentimes we don't go. And I understand there's a, there's a cultural element. For sure, there's a cultural element. But then also there is a nominal Christian element. And, and if it's okay with you guys, I'd like to go there for a minute. Okay, four people are comfortable with it. And I'm sorry for the rest of you. I apologize in advance for offending you. But if it helps you, we'll all be better in the long run. You can forgive me in heaven. Like, but there's a nominal Christianity element to the Great Commission where we spiritualize things that we call callings, but they never actually lead us to fulfill the Great Commission. You, you see what I'm saying? It's like, and it's not that we're not called to do other things, but those are not our primary callings. And, and look, I... I came here this morning like I had to put my big boy pants on because I knew that this could potentially cause some problems for people. But I'm just sharing it with you openly, okay? So here's the deal. And this is my own thought, okay? So you can hashtag it, Lyle's opinion. But here's the thing. I believe that we have primary and secondary callings. It's my own thought, okay? So if you don't like it, flush it. But look, primary callings, and I have a slide for this, but primary callings... Are th- yeah, exactly. Live. Primary callings are things that God has spoken to us through Jesus in the scriptures. Do we have, do we have a slide for that? I want to make sure I'm quoting the, the note right. I, I made a note, and I wanted you guys to see it. We'll get to it. Did it sound good? Did that sound right? Okay. So, so listen, our primary callings... Our primary callings are the things that Jesus has spoken to us about in the scripture. Okay? So, like, if you don't know what you're called to do, read the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like, the first element of your identity is revealed to you in the scripture. You know? People are like, I don't know. who I I need a prophetic word. Well, you have one. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's there. (laughs) You can read about it. It's right there. You know, if you don't know who you are, you read the Bible. It's a mic drop, but I want to be a good steward of the equipment. You, you guys, you, you get, get what I'm saying? Is our primary callings are the things that Jesus has spoken to us about in the scripture. And so here's one of those things. This is a primary calling. But I believe we also have a secondary calling. A secondary calling is something that is unique to you. It's something that you're called to perform. It's something that you're passionate about. It's something that you're inspired by. It's something that God has put in your heart that only you can do, and it's never sinful. You know, because what you're called to do is not sinful. I can promise you that. And so, you know, you guys get what I'm saying here. And so what I feel like that we do, especially in the nominal, you know, church culture, which, which can affect any Christian in any church, is that we exchange our primary calling for our secondary calling and we only ever do what we feel passionate about and we never do what Jesus has spoken to us about. 
And we say, well, I'm called. Well, yes, you are called. Yes, you are called. But this calling doesn't exempt you from this one. You see what I'm saying? Like your secondary callings. Yes, you are called. I'm not saying you're not called. I'm not telling you not to do what you're passionate about. What you're passionate about is Jesus moving in you. He's providing a vehicle for you to perform the primary calling of the Great Commission. So it doesn't matter if you're an actor, if you're an artist, if you're in business, if you're an entrepreneur. You're called to execute on the Great Commission. And you do that through a secondary calling, which is whatever you're passionate about or whatever you're inspired by or whatever you feel like you're drawn to. These are things that God has put in you, but they are not to be done while leaving out the primary calling, which is the things that Jesus has spoken to us about in Scripture. We're all called to fulfill the Great Commission. How we fulfill it will look uniquely different on the basis of how God has fashioned us. But just because we're different or just because we like one thing and not the other doesn't mean that we're exempt. Is this making sense to you guys? And so that's what we have to discern. On a base level as Christians, I, I must be responsible to things like the Great Commission. You know how to define responsibility? It's like this. Response. Ability. Your, your responsibility, right? It's your response ability. It's your ability to respond. And how we respond to things like the Great Commission actually reveal how mature we are in Christ. So it's, it's interesting because like we can tweet a bunch of revelation, but it's like, are you doing the Great Commission? Well, you know, well, I've evolved beyond that. Well, no, you've devolved beyond that, you know, back into some form of, you know, spiritual pampers where you have to be fed rather than actually feed yourself. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to be mean. I just want to be honest and like give us an understanding of like, hey, look, I've been there. I know that I'm there often. Maybe I was there right before I went on the trip where I was just like, oh my gosh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very difficult. But then it kind of kicks in that you're like, am I going to obey God or not? You know what I'm saying? Like at some point we have to be confronted with the reality of what is resting upon our life and take responsibility for it. And we can be irresponsible and say, you know, it's just not for me. I'm going to outsource my responsibility to perform the Great Commission to my pastors. But in no way in the Great Commission does Jesus give us a disclaimer that unless you have a degree in a religious field of study that you're not allowed to complete the Great Commission. You guys hear what I'm saying? So, so, so Jesus, he's like, go, right? And if you look at this word, it's a double definition. One, you could look at it as deliberate action, right? So when he says go, we should all as Christians be looking for a mission field that God's called us to go into. Now, it doesn't necessarily need to be traditional missions. You don't have to think about it in the sense of, well, I'm going to go to Haiti one day. Well, great, do that too. But you could also think about it as culture. You could think about it, I mean, some people use the seven mountains. I think that's a, you know, that's a good breakdown. You could look at, I'm going to go to the entertainment industry and I'm going to do missions. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go into government and I'm going to do missions. I'm going to go into, you guys hearing me? It's a secondary calling, but it's a vehicle given to us to complete the primary calling, which are the things that Jesus has spoken to us about in the scripture. You guys get what I'm saying? Because a lot of times we think about these secondary callings and we think that they're there just to make us money. Well, God doesn't have any problem with you having money, but he doesn't have a problem with money having you. 
and you thinking that that's the goal of your life is to become more comfortable and satisfied when he's actually giving you a gift to do that job so that he can get the gospel through you and touch humanity right and transform people because you're actually called and commissioned by him and he trusts you which is why i put it in you you guys get what i'm saying but see the the word go you can also look at it as more of a passive commandment as well it's got a double definition and so some people can read that you can read this as as you go as you go. Maybe you're in a season where you're working a lot, you know, 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week. Maybe you just had a kid. Maybe you just had three kids. I don't know your situation. If you just had three kids, God bless you because that's a lot, you know. But no matter your situation, the Great Commission still applies to you because it's both deliberate and passive. So it could be as you go. Yeah, maybe you are like, you know, you're in that season of like, I hope I'm not getting in trouble talking about moms, but like you're in that postpartum season. Like you can still post scriptures to Instagram. Like there is a possibility. There is a way that you can share the gospel. There is a way that you can advance the kingdom of God by operating in the calling and the anointing that's on your life, no matter the season that you're in. You see what I'm saying? You just have to figure out what that is because you're responsible you're anointed, you're called, you're commissioned, and here's the good news. You have the authority of the Son of God and all of the heavenly realms that's operating on your behalf as you do it. So it's really impossible for you to fail. It's just, are you going to do it or not? That's really the question. It's like, are we going to be responsible or not, right? Does this work for you guys today? It's awesome. So, you know, no matter where you're going, no matter what you're doing, just as you go, you just, you just share the gospel. As you go, you just talk about Jesus. As you go, you talk about the commandments of Jesus. So he says, okay, go and make disciples, right? We said make. You remember that? Make disciples. How do you make a disciple? This is, this is a good question, right? How do you make a disciple? Can I give you a really easy formula? Number one, help somebody meet and receive Jesus. That's number one. Here's number two. Uh, help somebody continually receive Jesus and grow to become more like him over time. That's all. Is that, is that easy enough? <laughs> right? Here, here's the easiest way to disciple somebody. One question. Hey, what's your next step in God? When then they tell you, you say, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to help you get there. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to correct you if I need to. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to pray for you at 2 a.m. I'm going to do whatever you need me to do to get to that step. And then when you get I'm going to say, hey, what's your next step in God? Because as your friend, I'm keeping you accountable, not just for bad behavior, but for righteous behavior and for your calling and for the commissioning and for the anointing and for the greatness that's upon your life to ensure that we're all functioning together as one body and what we're ultimately called to do because, hello, Jesus wants to transform the world. Right? Like, Jesus literally wants to transform you to transform the world. Am I putting too much responsibility on you guys this morning? Okay. <laughs> I mean, Jesus just said, you know, pick up your cross and follow me. And, you know. <laughs> no big deal. NBD, right? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Hey, look, you don't have to wear a clergy collar to baptize somebody. Like, if you make a disciple, baptize your disciple. Baptize them in the bathtub. Baptize them in a the swim pool. Even more comfortable. Baptize them in a hot tub. Like, 
You know what I'm saying? Just baptize them. It doesn't matter. Like, if you make the disciple, baptize the disciple. Jesus has called you to disciple them, not, not to bring them to, you know, someone else and say, okay, well, hey, I introduced this guy to Jesus. Can you teach him now? Well, if Jesus empowered you to see him saved, he's empowered you to t- train him up. Right? And so, like, you baptize them in, in water. You know, Jesus said, if you believe and are baptized, you're going to be saved, right? Baptism is a, is a wonderful uh, ordinance of the church. It's also a spiritual transaction where you go down one way and come up another. And who doesn't need that? Right? You, you should sign up to get baptized today at the welcome bar. If you haven't been baptized, it's a good time to plug that. Because you need it. Because you need it, and your disciples need it. And, hey, don't just get baptized with water. Get baptized in the Spirit. You know, and and help people get baptized in the Spirit. Lead them to be baptized in the Spirit. Here's why. They need it. Because they have an assignment on their life, and they need supernatural power functioning in their life in order to achieve what God's called them to achieve. Right? And you, you help them get there. You help them get baptized. Right? And then it says, teach them. Did you know that if you're a Christian, you're a teacher? You can start discipling somebody even before they get saved. Because you teach them how to live by allowing them to watch you live. And see, that's where your Christianity, like, gets real. Because it's like, are you living for real for God? Or are you living for yourself? Does anybody feel intrigued to follow Jesus watching you live? Does anybody feel intrigued to know a little bit more about your faith or your relationship with this divine, mystical union you have with the resurrected Christ? Just watch it. What is it? What? You're weird. Wow. Can you tell me more about that? Like, you're a little strange. But the way that you live, it just exudes so much love and grace and peace and power and, like, connection and relationship and reconciliation that, like, there's something that I need to hear about. You know, but if we don't live the life, we have to create systems that help us to, you know, attract people. And that takes a lot of money. That's very expensive. It's much cheaper just to lay down your life financially, but it costs much more spiritually. Right? You just lay down your life. I promise you, it's so much more attractional than lights or projection or good social media or a lot of money on a marketing budget. Like, you just lay down your life. The, the disciples didn't have Instagram, and yet they were so, so amazing at evangelism. And I don't know. I, I feel like I'm doing a little bit better than you are saying amen right now. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure it out. Are, are we worried about the time? Okay, I'm done. Um, well, let, me make sure I, let me make sure I got through all my points. You know, I want to preach, be a good preacher today. Um, Oh, hey, look, what about the teaching, teaching part? Hey, I wrote this down. Instead of teaching people what you think they should learn, teach them what Jesus has commanded. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, look, you're not called to train your disciples or people in your life or even your kids to become more like you before you're called to train them to become more like Jesus. Right? Like, just what did Jesus say to do? If we, don't, if we don't read it, then we won't know. And then the best we'll have is creating people in our image rather than enc- encouraging them to be formed into God's image. I'm about to slay my own spirit. 
sorry, y'all. I've been gone for two weeks, and so I'm just ready to party. Um, okay, let's see what I want to finish with, just to make sure. Hey, I wrote down this scripture. I think it would be a good one to finish with. It's Matthew 19, 29 in the message. And it's just about just laying down your life, uh, you know, for the Great Commission. Uh, it says, anyone who sacrifices home, family, fields, whatever, because of me, will get it all back a hundred times over, not to mention the considerable bonus of eternal life. Just that. The considerable bonus of eternal life. I remember one time when I, right before I got saved, I used to have these conversations with the Holy Spirit. I, I genuinely was not saved, but God would like descend into my car and talk to me. And I remember one time I was so obsessed with buying new rims for my car. Like, I know that's a little funny, but, uh, you know, I was, I wasn't really a great person. And uh, so rims were kind of high priority for me in that time. It's like just the best, most fulfilling thing, you know, that I could do. And um, so I was like, God, you know, like I could, I could hear him talking to me. And I was like, yeah, I hear you. But I want, I want like new rims on my truck, you know. And I, I remember like the guy was like, God, God was like, you, you don't think I could give you new rims? And I was like, yeah, I guess you could. I mean, that's, that's a good point. He's like, how much, like, how about stuff way better than rims? How about eternal life? You know, and I'm just like, oh, God, that, yeah, that's way better. And I remember the first time I went to church after I was saved and lifted my hands. You remember that moment, the first time you ever lifted your hands? Hey, if you never did it before, we'll give you an opportunity in just a few minutes. But, like, I lifted my hands. I remember I lifted my hands, and, and I remember God whispered to me. He said, how does it feel be to know you're going to heaven? Wow. Oh, this is awesome. So, so much better than rims. <laughs> Is it okay that I'm that honest with you guys? But hey, listen, for you, it's probably not rims. And if it is, I'm impressed. But like, whatever it is for you that like, you know, you're obsessed with right now, or you're consumed by right now, like we just have a moment here at the end. They're going to sing one chorus and we'll dismiss. But let's just give it to God and just ask the Holy Spirit for some help and grace and power to complete the great commission in our life. Whatever that looks like, whatever that vehicle is, that secondary calling, that passion, that inspiration that God's given us, how do we, how do we take what God's spoken to us with all authority in heaven and in earth, and how do we fuel everything else he's called us to in such a way where we're obedient to what God has spoken to us?